Mom to Mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. Today, we're tackling a subject that many moms tend to put on the back burner, our health. We are so concerned with everyone else's health in the family that we often neglect our own. We end up stressed out, anxious, and overwhelmed, not realizing often it's related to the health choices we make every day. Our hormones are often a mess. Many of us are anxious and depressed. We aren't making the best choices when it comes to what we put in our mouths, and our health suffers for it. Our spiritual health is directly related to our physical health, and if we're not healthy, we can't serve the Lord in the way we'd like. So we've brought in an expert to help answer our questions and get us straightened out. Our guest today is Rebecca Fedrowitz, a board-certified holistic nutritionist and a women's health speaker and author. Her passion is helping women identify, combat, and recover from stress and hormonal health challenges so they can thrive in their life, health, and purpose. She's a boy mom to an energetic five-year-old and wife to a frequently moving engineer. Rebecca is the host of the You Are Well Health podcast and the Restored Women's Wellness Collective, an online community. She's a co-author of Sister Walk in Truth and the author of the cookbook, Healthy Gourmet for Every Day. Rebecca, her husband, and their five-year-old son currently reside in the Phoenix, Arizona area. Welcome, Rebecca. We are so happy to have you join us today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, we have a lot of questions for you today, so I hope you're ready. I'm ready. Bring them on. (laughs) All righty. Well, first of all, is it even possible to be healthy in this crazy, stressed out, COVID (laughs) COVID filled world? I mean, how do we do it? Just just throw some of your best tips at us. You know, I think the first answer to that is yes, but we need to understand that health looks different than what we're often taught that it really is. Health is not the size of your genes or even whether or not you're COVID free or you're getting that thumbs up from your doctor on your annual blood work saying, okay, your cholesterol's in check. Health is so much more than that. And I think this is what we often forget, especially as moms, you know, health is our mood. Health is his, our emotions and how we feel that we are just handling a day. Health is how we're sleeping. Health is the energy levels that we have and whether or not we feel like we can sustain the amount of commitments that we have on our plate. Health, like you already said, health is about our spiritual health too. And so it is possible to be healthy, but we really have to redefine what it means to be well and, and approach it from a completely different perspective. So yes, it's, it's possible. (laughs) Oh, that's good news. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to ask something and I, and I know it sounds political. I don't want to get into a political battle, (laughs) but in light of COVID right now, we're all being asked to wear masks and wash our hands and sanitize, sanitize, sanitize. But what about building up our immune systems? How can we prevent other common illnesses from spreading while also preventing the spread of COVID? Do you have any suggestions for us? Yeah, I think that's a great question because I do feel like we are approaching COVID very different than maybe the common cold or this year's flu. And I think there's practical tips that we can take away and really learn. And to be honest, I think that we could use this as a way to improve the way that we approach health and immunity 
for the long term. And I think there are some good ways we can boost our immunity and support ourselves in protection against COVID. Not that it will necessarily keep you from getting it, but even just boosting your system if you were to get it, as well as other illnesses and you know annual viruses, seasonal viruses. Uh, one of those is, and this is not a glamorous answer, but honestly, eating a balanced diet. This is one of the biggest problems I see as a whole for moms, for, for women and for children, the people we're responsible for feeding. We don't really understand what's balanced. A lot of the information out there is very mixed and confusing. And then we eat these sort of scattered or just whatever works in our day kind of way. But if you don't have a balanced diet to start with, it's impossible. I mean, you can't just over supplement that or take some extra vitamin C or do some immune boosting tip here or there enough to compensate for that lack. So it's the very foundation of everything that we ever do, immune boosting, anti-inflammation. I mean, you name it, you got to start there. Um, so that's important. But then there's also, you know, tips like boosting your vitamin C, which may be in supplement form, but it also could be things like throwing red peppers in your salad or in your stir fry. Red peppers are one of the best sources of vitamin C. Getting plenty of broccoli, you know, not just orange juice, but eating actual oranges, getting foods in their most natural state whenever possible is going to maximize the amount of the nutrient that's available. So uh, doing things like that. And then if necessary, if you do feel like your food is lacking, if it's winter and everything has been shipped in from another country and you know the vitamins and the nutrients aren't there, doing some general supplementing with a good broad spectrum multivitamin or an immune boosting multivitamin that might have elevated levels of things like vitamin C, vitamin D, and zinc, um, staying within a range that is safe, but still kind of giving your body that little extra push. Well, since you mentioned a balanced diet, what does that look like? Yeah, great. <laughs> thing. What is a balanced diet? Right. So, such a great question. And um, I would be happy to give you a link that um, every, all the listeners can download a guide because that's going to be the easiest way to go. I've got a guide that you guys are welcome to have. But I think the thing is, is that number one, a balanced diet is not the same for everyone, right? Everybody's diet is going to look slightly different, but there's some sort of skeleton structure that we can go with. And when I, I'll give you a, a few key pointers and then go to that guide that I'll send you the link to, to reference more. But number one, vegetables are super important in a balanced diet. And we often misinterpret what vegetables are. I don't consider, even though carrots are technically a vegetable, I don't consider them vegetables in your serving of vegetables, I consider them a starch. So I actually separate vegetables into two categories, fibrous vegetables and starchy vegetables. So fibrous vegetables are things like broccoli, cauliflower, zucchini, bell peppers, asparagus, um, kale, salad mixes, things like that. Five servings a day, that's what we're aiming for of those. And most people don't even hit two, two. Three to, to five is minimum and, and even sometimes more. And I say sometimes because like if you, you know, if it's a winter day and you're having like vegetable soup, you're going to max out that five servings pretty easily. Um, but a lot of times what will happen is we won't have vegetables at, at breakfast. Sometimes we have something small at lunch and then dinner is one serving and, or we'll have carrots. I see the carrots or something like that is served as the vegetable. And so we're really grossly lacking in vegetables. So five servings of vegetables. And that might sound impossible, but it's something you can slowly work up to. 
um, ample protein. Uh, and it's not always just animal protein like chicken or beef, but even just getting it in nuts and seeds throughout the day, throwing those on salads, or if you're having a smoothie, putting hemp seeds or flax seeds in them, or uh, you know, in a salad, even things like olives, which are gonna give you a little fat and a little protein, you know, a mix. Those are the types of things that can be really helpful. So ample protein, but I do recommend animal protein for most people. There are some rare exceptions to that, but I do recommend it uh, and getting to, uh, well, usually at least two servings a day is, is what most people thrive on. Again, some adjustments. So some people, one is enough and other people might need a little more. Uh, so there's the, those are kind of two key principles. And then, uh, especially with people who are under stress and our energy is spiking and decreasing and we're feeding kids who tend to err towards more of those carb heavy foods, we will often find diets are heavy in carbohydrates. And this is not, I'm not saying this to promote a keto diet or a paleo or a low carb diet, but rather to look at your carbohydrates in proportion with things. So are you eating good sources of carbohydrates and mixing, like I mentioned, the carrots or sweet potatoes, things like that with something like grains, rice or quinoa? And are you choosing whole forms of carbs over more refined forms like bread? So those are some, some very simple perspectives on a balanced diet, but um, download that guide and it gives you more and it'll tell you what's in each category and some rough servings that you can aim for. That's so great. Excellent. Yeah, that's great. Now, Rebecca, what are some of the top health mistakes that we're making? Because I know we're making a lot of mistakes. Yes. So golly, <laughs> we could break this art into like a little mini series here. <laughs> Uh, you know, I think for women, for moms, okay, the top health mistake that I often see is overall feeling like we don't have time for our health. And I know that's not a specific mistake, like we're eating too many carbs, but it is foundational to every other step that we take. Because if we don't understand that our health is key to everything else that we do, we'll never prioritize it and it will only add to our stress. So we have to first understand truly how important our health is and how it is the least selfish thing we can do because when we're in a space of being well, our emotions and our mental health are better. So we're less likely to be snapping at our kids or not having time for our husbands or whatever that might be, right? We are better for them. We're better for God. We're better and able to be used. Not that God can't use people who are sick because we will sometimes go through those seasons, but if we're neglecting to take care of our health and therefore lacking energy, that's a whole nother story. And that's often what happens. And, and so just simply not prioritizing it and not understanding its real value in and setting us up to be ready to serve others, our families and the people we're called to in the way that we really are meant to. Um, another mistake I would say is the emphasis of health is, is, grossly distorted into things like weight and external appearances of health. And so we make decisions based on a wrong end goal. I will say this very important key takeaway, weight is never the problem. It is always the symptom. If you're having an issue with your weight and if you're looking and going, I really need to lose weight, then ultimately what you're saying is I have something greater going on that needs to be addressed. And when it's addressed, the weight will come off. And when we put the emphasis on something like weight, then we're making decisions based on something that's not actually the issue. And so we're, we're cutting calories when, in fact, we actually may need more, or we're cutting fat when, in fact, we actually may need more. 
we're exercising more. I see this so often. Women tend to either over-exercise or under-exercise, and both are very dangerous for our health. Um, and I can raise my hand as totally being guilty of somebody who over-exercised, and it was one of the worst things I've ever done for my health. And, um, and to be honest with you, it actually made losing weight extremely difficult. It just halted all weight loss. So when we're making a decision based on weight being the end goal, we're making decisions like, oh, I need to work out more, but that may actually be stopping the results we want because we're not really addressing the right issue. Um, so that's a big one. And then I would say that um, in general, we tend to, with our eating, we don't take the time to enjoy the gift that food actually is. And I, I mean, we have so, God gives us so many gifts, right? I mean, first off, the life that we have, the air that we breathe, our salvation, our families, right? These are amazing gifts that cannot be discredited. But just behind those, I believe food sits as one of the greatest gifts God's ever given us. It is a sense of enjoyment. I mean, if it was merely nourishment, we don't have to have taste, right? And, and I believe there is such a gift in food in that sense. It can be community. It's a chance to sit with your family, with your friends, to, to, um, disciple each other. I, I mean, just the community around it, but then also the healing that food is, is it can do for our bodies. Every, everything that happens in your body, every biochemical response in some way, shape or form ties back to food. Food is a catalyst for our health. And without good food, we can't have good health. It's just that simple. And when we don't see food as the gift that it truly is, we don't tend to enjoy it. And believe it or not, the enjoyment of food absolutely changes how our body assimilates and processes food. And, and even the enjoyment in terms of when food tastes good, it tends to be more balanced in flavor. And when it's balanced in flavor, it's also balanced in nutrient. So you're more likely to actually get the nutrients you need. I love the idea of food being a gift because I feel like the pendulum often swings the other way and we can make food an idol, whether that right. is enjoying it too much. And, you know, obviously that can turn into gluttony, but right. it could also look like being so obsessed with, you know, losing weight or eating just the right things that it's just, you know, taking over your mental capacity and it has become an idol in your life. Yes. It's, it's definitely, um, a different way of looking at it to, to see food as the gift that it really is. Yeah. I love that, that food, because food can become a trap and we yeah. see that all the time. And, and I just, and it is such a gift. You just look at the abundance, especially in this country, Yeah, the abundance of food that we have, the variety, you just go into any grocery store, there's food from all over the world. It's just incredible. So I love that. So Talk to us about PMS, <laughs> just for, since we're all girls on here. I mean, is it normal? Can we live without bloating and mood swings and anxiety and brain fog and all the crazy stuff? Now, I am past those years, thank goodness, but a lot of our listeners are not. And I mean, right. just it, how, how do we live without that trap and without having to deal with that every month? Yeah, to me, Rebecca, because I'm right uh, smack dab in the middle of it all. <laughs> all right. Well, okay. So hormones in general are, I, I just love to talk about them and, and stress for the record produces hormones and it changes our hormones. But to, to circle back to your question, PMS is absolutely in no way, shape or form normal, at least not the way that we accept it to be today. Is it normal to have changes in your hormone levels and therefore how you're feeling right at, at various times of your cycle, including right before? Absolutely, because your hormones do fluctuate. But 
it's, it shouldn't be what we accept it to be. And so things like extreme mood swings, the, the, the cramps and the bloating, the breast tenderness that so many women face, these are all signs that your hormones aren't functioning at their optimal level. And yes, you absolutely can balance those so that you aren't experiencing that. So yeah, it's not normal at all. <laughs> so in terms of things that you can, can do and look for, I mean, again, I'm, I'm going to circle back here to the balanced diet. You got to start there. And I know it doesn't sound very fun. Everybody's like, well, what's the, I mean, I've actually had people say, is there like a miracle supplement? Well, no, by itself, no. And as long as you're looking for that, you're always going to find these kind of ups and downs and things working and not working. But there are different nutrients that can work and, and different protocols that we look at depending upon exactly what's going on. And, and this is key. You know, a lot of times we'll read things like the PMS cure, but a lot of times it'll be a, a specific hormonal swing that we're trying to address. And we have to kind of identify what's going on individually. But some key things anyone can do is uh, to look at your stress levels. One of the key issues I see with PMS is women who are overly stressed. And really, it's, it's not originating as a female hormonal imbalance, but rather a stress-induced hormonal imbalance because of what I call the stress food mood cycle. So when we're under stress, and stress for the record, a lot of times we think of stress as this big thing, like this pandemic that we're in that is absolutely stressing everybody else. <laughs> but stress can be much different than that for a lot of us. I mean, it could be, oh my gosh, I just really need to get my kids out of the door. And it is taking us 20 minutes to find the shoe that should have been in the right place to begin with. And now we're late and I'm panicking and like all the things. <laughs> you know, that's stress. And if that's happening on a regular basis, there is a biochemical response happening in your body. And when that happens once or twice, your body can handle it. But when it's happening over and over again, especially at these kind of low levels, you barely even notice. The stress hormones are triggering a, a myriad of reactions happening in your body. One of those is to slow down non-essential processes. So things like digestion, we don't actually need it to happen to survive in the moment. But then it speeds up essential processes like breathing and heart rate, because if those things stop, we die, like right there on the moment. We have to have those things happen. So as those non-essential processes are slowing down, it changes how our hormones are handled. Sometimes it increases production for the temporary benefit of it. Sometimes it decreases the production. And sometimes it actually stops the way our body processes and eliminates excess production of those hormones. So estrogen is something we really see in the stress food mood cycle. We get stressed. And then because we're not digesting and detoxifying, excess estrogens aren't detoxified from the body. And we end in what is known as estrogen dominance, whether you have an actual amount of estrogen that's too high or a relative amount, meaning your progesterone may actually be too low, but the, the ratio of estrogen to progesterone isn't right. And then over time, we start to see a lot of those PMS symptoms showing up because a lot of those are triggered by this excessive amount of estrogen that is too high uh, comparative to other hormones. And then this huge drop off right before we have our cycle. And we have all these, these symptoms that we're like, oh, like I just feel like I'm going crazy. I have no energy. I want to bite everybody's head off. I just don't feel good. And then that makes us, you know, have the mood problems and it can actually, the connection of the neuro, the, well, I call it the neuroendocrine system, the neurological system. So your neurotransmitters that affect things like anxiety and depression and your endocrine system, which is your hormones, things like estrogen or stress hormones, they, they have a lot of overlap in the way that they function. So it actually will start to affect your mental 
uh, mood. So not just your hormonal mood, but actually things like anxiety and depression. So over time, we just see that getting worse and worse, which makes PMS feel worse and worse. And then we go into that cycle because then when we feel bad, we get stressed and then we get stressed and we make all the hormones worse and we just get trapped. So we have to look at what's going on with our stress. We have to look at the inputs of stress in our life and address that. And then when we do that, then we can start to approach how we can help the body recover with the right supplements or the right nutrients and the right diet and even the right exercise to allow our hormones, our adrenals and our, our stress to sort of level out and the body to recoup from that. Imagine the world change that would take place if we moms did the knee bending work of prayer for our homes. If we spent just as much time praying as we do providing perfect childhoods, perfect days, perfect dinners. Our kids need perfection, that's true, but it won't ever be found in us. That's a gift only Jesus can lavish on them. If Kate, September, and I could encourage you in just one thing, it would be prayer. Nothing will be more powerful in the life of your kids and in your relationship with them than bringing them to the throne of the all-powerful one who can move heaven and earth on their behalf. To help direct your thoughts to specific prayer points found in scripture, we've put together a month-long series of prayer cards called 30 Days of Prayer for My Child. Each card contains a prayer theme, a verse that correlates with that theme, and a brief sample prayer to help you call upon God to be faithful to his word in light of your kids. To grab a set of your own, head to September and Co. Shop on Etsy. Pray for your kids today, because if you're not praying for them, who will be? What about our, our teen girls? You know, I, I get asked a lot from moms who have girls going through body changes, tweens and teens, and they're wondering, you know, what kind of supplements or vitamins or even just lifestyle changes, if any, would be helpful to our daughters during these really hormonal adolescent years when things are just in great upheaval in their body. <laughs> right. You know, this is, is definitely something we can do a lot about. And I think that it's going to be a longer, we're going to need years to really change the way women see their health in order to affect how teens approach mm. their health in this time. But it can start right now in your home. If you have a teen girl, the way that you look at your own health is important. And um, and the way that you talk about your health and the way that you address things will kind of showcase how she can be thinking about it. But she's still being influenced by all of her friends and all the media and, and things like that. And so um, to a degree, you kind of just have to let her ride it out and do the best you can to provide meals that are balanced and avoid things that can trigger inflammation and excess hormones. So avoid too much dairy. In fact, um, it, cow's dairy is one of the key foods that is linked to many of the hormonal imbalances that we see in women and in teens. And so if you're noticing a lot of hormonal swings with your daughter, see, evaluate how much dairy she's having and see if you can't reduce that. And she may kick back. She may be like, um, you're crazy lady. If you think that I'm not having this, uh, especially if she's hormonal, <laughs> but, but you can make that effort, reduce it as a whole in your house and see how that, how that goes in terms of nutrients and supplements. Um, with teens, I get very cautious about supplementing too specifically because, uh, we want to let their bodies sort of 
it's, it is that pendulum swing that we kind of have to give it some time to find that sweet spot and that balance. And I don't want to manipulate that usually unless we're seeing more extremes. So some of the nutrients like ashwagandha or tree berry, that might be something I consider for an adult woman. I hesitate more with teeth. And I would look more to how can we increase her B vitamins naturally in her food? Or there are some multivitamins that I recommend that are slightly elevated in B vitamins that can naturally kind of help the body balance out in the way that we're detoxifying hormones and producing or managing hormones. So I would stick more with vitamins and minerals and, and just a good, good quality multivitamin before I would look any farther than that um, without without doing a lot of exploring or maybe even taking some labs to kind of assess what's going on with those hormones. Talk to us about B vitamins for just a second, because my yeah. naturopath had um, given me some B complex mm-hmm. vitamins for this very reason to just sort of help to balance my hormones during my cycle and all of that. What is the benefit of that? Or why do we need B vitamins for yeah. that? So, you know, I, I mentioned that every, everything that happens in your body, everything from your heart pumping, your cholesterol management, your detoxification, your hormone production, your neurotransmitters, everything relates to the vitamins and minerals and the nutrients available in food, amino acids, et cetera. So B vitamins specifically, uh, they're, they get a lot of good press because they do a lot for the body. They help with your metabolism, your energy, your detoxification. And if you really want to geek out on science, we can go into methylation pathways and, and all sorts of things that they do. But to kind of put it really simply, they are heavily connected to uh, the management of hormones, the production of hormones, and uh, again, the detoxification, the energy usage, and, and the way, not just the production of hormones, but then how the body's putting those hormones to use for things like energy. So particular B vitamins, B6, folic acid, but which, let me clarify, folate, which I say folic acid because that's what a term people are familiar with. Folic acid is the synthetic form of folate. And it is very important that we're actually taking folate because folic acid can do more harm than good. So um, B6 folate, which you have probably heard of as folic acid and B12 are some key ones that we focus on, but there's others too. And that's why using it in a complex because the B vitamins work synergistically. Uh, Yes, sometimes you do need elevated amounts of them, but the way that they work together in the body to, to look not just at, well, this nutrient helps increase the production of this hormone, but rather, okay, because the body works as a whole, it's looking at, you know, methylation and detoxification and energy production and metabolism and hormone production altogether. And so that's one reason why it's so well touted for its benefits for hormonal imbalances. Maybe this is obvious to everybody else, but can you give us some foods that naturally contain B vitamins? No, and I don't think it is obvious uh, because it's not something we talk about. So I think it's a great question. Um, B vitamins, it, depending upon the one, because they do vary. In fact, I would I'd Google it and, and it's really easy to start kind of looking from Google because then you get the visual side. But to highlight a few uh, whole grains, and again, I want to emphasize the importance of whole grains because if you're buying stripped grains, the B vitamins are what get removed and then quote unquote, added back in. And I'm saying quote unquote, because the form that it's added in is not the same, nor is it the amount of, of, the, of the vitamin that you would be stripping out when you get it in whole form. And so it's really important that we get it in whole form. So whole grains can be a good source. Um, 
animal proteins. This is one reason why I mentioned, I actually find that with my clients, about two servings of animal protein, you know, or a range of one to, to three or even four per day is where they thrive because they do need that B12 that is really found almost exclusively in animal protein. And it is possible for people who are vegetarian to get it. It's just a lot harder. And so if we're getting animal proteins, that's where we're getting that, that source of B12. And folate is high in leafy greens, like the greener, the vegetable, the like look for folate in that. And so when we're having good amount of salads or kale, and it doesn't always have to be raw and it doesn't have to be boring, like really beautiful, delicious food. Um, those green leafy greens are a big one for folate. So those are some key ones, whole grains, leafy greens, and proteins. So if you go back to that balanced day and think of those key things I highlighted just on, on here, you're, you're kind of covering that to some degree. Love it. What are some health hacks for busy moms, like ways they can sneak in some healthy stuff for their kids? Yeah. Well, and I'm going to talk, can I talk about both mom hacks for moms and hacks for kids? Yes, <laughs> <please> do. <laughs> okay. So number one, um, I will say that every step you take matters. Okay. So if your hack is just simply to set an alarm to drink one glass of water when you wake up, if that works for you, go for it. So a hack is whatever works for you and makes the path to getting healthy feel less resistant, all right? So just start with that. Because if I say something and you're like, that does not feel easy to me, well, then it's not a hack for you. <laughs> and if you have a better idea, go with it. Um, so I, I'll, I'll, let's go with that. I think alarms are really key because we are just bombarded by noise and information these days. And it can be really easy to get to the end of the day and go, oh, that thing that I really wanted to do and I just forgot. So to create a habit, sometimes we need an alarm. And you know, I love Siri for this. I'm always yelling at Siri across the room. Hey Siri, remind me in one hour or remind me every hour to do whatever. And so I think when we, if we can just set one, you know, a hack here would be to set one goal a week and set some sort of a reminder to do that. So have Siri remind you to drink a glass of water every hour. And I think when we do that, we show our kids and we ask our kids, this is a hack for your kids. At least it works for me and my younger child, but um, I'll, we'll say, what are we going to do? And I, I have a hard time getting him to drink water. And so he knows that Siri is going to remind us to drink water because he recognizes that's something that works for me. And so I just pull him into it and we make it fun by getting him involved. And I tell him to talk to Siri. So, <laughs> you know, a hack, I think number one is just setting an alarm, but also getting your kids involved in whatever you're doing for yourself. Um, I also think that finding uh, little nooks and crannies of time rather than feeling like everything has to be this big thing that you have to prepare for, you know, a big chunk of exercise, a big day of meal planning. I don't have time for any of that. It would never happen in my day if it had to be this huge chunk of time. So don't worry about doing it perfect. Just do, worry about doing what you can do. So if a hack is to say, okay, we're all losing our minds if, you know, at homeschooling uh, or, or homeschooling and we need to get up, you know, the hack may be that you get your kids to do jumping jacks while you do some form of exercise and you do that five times a day. And so you've just hacked your way into a full workout. <laughs> so don't think of it, everything is always having to be so perfect. Um, in terms of like getting vegetables, if you're not used to eating vegetables, and this goes for adults as much as it does for children, because I have certainly worked with my fair share of adults who have absolutely no desire to even attempt to get vegetables because they just don't have the palate for it yet. So I don't believe in hiding vegetables as a key way to go forward. We need to adjust our palates. First time you had coffee, you probably didn't like it. So you adjust it to that. You can adjust to this too. 
but we need an adjustment period. And so little ways that you can do that, like if you make smoothies, zucchini is a great way to make your smoothie really creamy. Um, uh, putting zucchini in your brownies is a great way to make brownies moist and, and really like soft and, and especially if you love chewy brownies, all right? So little ways, please understand that putting zucchini in your brownies does not qualify them as healthy, but it's just a way to help get those servings if you're going to be making brownies anyway. Um, and then even little things like when you make rice, you can actually do, you can buy that riced cauliflower or you can rice your own cauliflower and mix it half and half. So if you're running, if your family is used to having rice, okay, great. Don't give up rice. Just saute up some of that raised cauliflower and mix it in. And so now you're getting half rice, half cauliflower. So there's little ways you can do stuff like that to number one, because that's just maybe what you want. It's, it, it helps to lighten up a meal. You don't feel so heavy on your stomach, especially if you're stressed and you're having those digestive issues. And to get an extra serving of vegetables, um, it, it just is a really easy way to do that. And if you're not used to them, it helps you adjust your palate. Um, and then I think just making it fun and making it fun goes for, again, adults and kids. What's a recipe that actually excites you to make? Because if you're just looking at a recipe and going, well, this looks terrible. I don't want to eat this at all. Well, then it's going to be a miserable experience cooking it. So find something fun and then understand, again, it's not about perfection. I don't find my recipes on Pinterest. I find all of those to be terrible. But if I'm looking for inspiration, I'm on Food & Wine Magazine, Bon Appetit Magazine, Williams & Sonoma, and maybe it has gluten and I can't eat gluten. Okay. So I Google search how to substitute that, right? Like, Find something you love and then make it work rather than finding something you hate and trying to adjust yourself to that. And I think, again, this goes for adults and kids. Ask your kids, what sounds fun to you? Get them involved, get them in the kitchen. It sounds like a ton of work, it is, but it makes it more enjoyable because then when you sit down to dinner, they don't bite you as bad. <laughs> so those are just a few key things. And, and um, again, not so much like this is how you drink 64 ounces of water, but things that last long-term. And there are little things that you can start to apply no matter what your goals are. Oh, I love that. And I love, yeah, food and wine. Those go to the, go to the good ones. I always yeah. go to Ina Garten. I go to the good people who, who know how to cook correctly yes. and use seasonings right. And you're going to love to cook if you follow the people who know how to cook. But, That's um, why I go to KateBattistelli.com. <laughs> but Rebecca, has, you have a, a cookbook also. So we need to check that we put a link to that as well. Yes, I do. I'm sure those are great recipes. Now, speaking of gluten-free, you said you were gluten-free. It's kind of become a, a craze. Now, is it important? Should we all be gluten-free? Is that something we need to do? Talk about that a little bit. There's really no cut and dry answer on that one, as much as I would love to give you one. I would say, here's what I'll say. In general, gluten, because of the, just the way that grains have changed in our world, the way that we've genetically modified them and yeah, just the, the growing process and even the pesticide use looks very different today than it did 50 years ago and hundred years ago. And our, when you eat a food that outside looks the same, but in terms of the genetics of the food is different, your body doesn't necessarily know how to respond to that. And so what we're finding is everyone, even people who don't have an actual gluten sensitivity or allergy still has an inflammatory, often has an inflammatory reaction. It is an inflammatory food. So does everybody need to be hundred percent gluten-free? No. Um, but do most people benefit from being pretty, pretty low on gluten? Yes. And I would also say that a lot of times people assume, you know, I'll have people come to me and they'll say, well, I had, my doctor looked, you know, we did an endoscope, we ran a test, I don't have celiac, so I'm fine. 
No, 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 no. There are so many cases of non-celiac based gluten sensitivity, and there's a number of different tests that we can run. I mean, not to mention just the, the challenge test, just take it out of your diet, put it back in. Do you notice a difference? And if you do, that's enough. You really don't need lab work. We don't need a stool test or an endoscope or anything else to tell us that you don't feel great on it. And that may just be the inflammatory response. But regardless of what it is, if it's increasing inflammation in your body, it is not good for you because inflammation is the key issue that we see kind of linking to so many of our chronic and, and even acute health conditions. And I would just want to follow that up. Now, I'm not the expert, but I, I noticed this trend of people moving away from gluten, but in substitution for that, they buy all kinds of prefabricated foods that really aren't any more food than, you know, eating a store-bought loaf of right. bread. You know, it's, it's still scientifically modified. It's still sort of fake made in a laboratory kinds of foods. And, and you could also argue that, you know, it's great to have a salad, but then when you dump half a, half a container of dressing on it, you're sort of negating some of the health benefits of the salad. Wouldn't you agree? So to the, to the gluten-free and the trend, yes. And that's one reason why I'm very cautious about recommending everybody go gluten-free because if you're going to go gluten-free and eat gluten-free, you know, box mac and cheese and gluten-free granola bars, just eat the gluten. I mean, it's not, if it's still junk food, it's still junk food. And we have to be wary that gluten-free and or natural and even organic does not guarantee that it is a healthy food. We got to go back to that balanced diet as the key foundation and filter everything through that. Um, so yeah, if you're gluten-free and, and if you're on Food & Wine magazine and if you're on Ina Gardner and, and the good quality food, if you've ever been to a farm-to-table restaurant, you're going to find that it's naturally gluten-free because the best foods naturally are gluten-free with the exception of things like, oh, farro. Like I love farro. Farro's so good and it does have gluten. But you know what I'm saying? Like when you're really eating good food, it will automatically end up being gluten-free. So that's the kind of gluten-free we want to be. Um, but regarding the salad, yeah, so that's one of those, those practices that kind of falls in this really weird gray space because you're right, if you, are, if you don't like the salad you're eating and you're covering it with something unhealthy, then it does negate the benefits to some degree. But that doesn't mean all dressings are dangerous. And in fact, I put a fair amount of oil on my salad. And many of the nutrients that are in some of our vegetables are actually fat-soluble nutrients, meaning if we don't have enough fat present, they can't get absorbed and used. They are assimilated and broken down and absorbed in the presence of fat. So we really need those. We need the oil. So we do want salad dressing on our salad. And it, needs, it can be vinegar and oil. And that's fine. But yes, if you feel like the only way you want to eat a salad is if it's a tiny bit of iceberg lettuce and a ton of croutons and Caesar dressing, probably not that balanced. So again, filter through the balanced day. Are the ingredients on the salad, including the dressing, meeting the, the servings and the recommendations in that balanced day? And if they are, then it's great. It's not hard to make salad dressing. Just read, if you read the ingredients on the back of the bottle, you won't want to eat it. I mean, seriously, ladies, start reading what's in the food that you're buying. Turn, turn the things over and read the ingredients and you'll go, oh, that's in there. I don't want to, you know, I've, I started when that's really what made me want to learn to cook years ago when I started reading what was actually in this stuff. It is not hard to make ranch dressing. It's seriously not hard. It's like four ingredients and you'll love what you make. So anyway, that's beside the point. 
So for most of us, health changes aren't going to happen overnight. Any kind of lasting change will have to be done in small incremental steps, as you alluded to. So what is your one go-to first step that every mom should make today, that change that'll make the most difference? And I don't mean like immediate difference, but like the most lasting difference. Oh, one. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, well, outside of number one, understanding that this is important and actually putting the value behind it, because if you don't, then at week two or three, when things get to be less than easy, you're, you're going to quit. Um, so outside of that, uh, I would actually say, look at your water consumption, because if you are not drinking enough water, then it starts to have all of these other systems that it impacts from our mood to our brain and cognitive function to our digestive ability to our hormones you name it and so the very first place to start and what some people will see almost immediate results from is drinking enough water and enough water just to clarify is half of your body weight in ounces so 64 ounces is actually not adequate for a lot of people if you weigh 150 pounds you need 75 ounces of water plus more for things like caffeine, alcohol, sweating, high, high sugar consumption, because that really changes our blood sugar and the way our body manages that. So any of those things actually increase your needs. So if you're actually getting adequate water, you may find that just that alone can increase your energy enough to make the other habits you want to start putting into place a lot easier. Great answer. I love it. That's what I was thinking you were going to say was yeah. water. But you know, but I would say, and, and tell me if you agree with this, you typically don't want to just drink tap water in your local community. If there's any way you can have reverse osmosis water right. or clean water, because tap water is just filled with all kinds of stuff. It is. It's terrible. And the Environmental Working Group actually has a really great um, resource. So you can check your tap water. But in almost all locations in this country, you're not gonna to wanna to drink your tap water. So if you visit ewg.org, it should be on that homepage, I believe, ewg or search environmental working group, and they have a tap water, like you can put in your zip code and it'll tell you what's in your water, they test this. Um, and I've lived all over. I've lived all over and in some of the you know best rated water, local water sources, and it's still terrible. So reverse osmosis, um, especially one that has an alkalining filter that puts some of those minerals back in is, is definitely one of the top choices. That is a little bit bigger of a commitment. So if you're renting or have a smaller kitchen, that can be hard to get. So another option is the Berkey water filter, which goes right on top of your counter. And I highly recommend that. You can pick one up, up on Amazon or Berkey. I think Berkey has its own website website as well. So Berkey water filter. And I've used both of those and I've been really happy with both of those depending upon where we've lived. Um, so yeah, I mean, at the very least a charcoal filter, like on your fridge, I will tell you that does not filter out nearly enough of the stuff that you need to filter out. But if all of this feels overwhelming and you're like, okay, wait, I just got to take one simple step in the right direction. Well then a charcoal filter is better than just straight tap water. Um, but yeah, Berkey or reverse osmosis would be two things I would really look into. Yeah. There's just so, so many heavy metals and ugly things in our water that you don't want to consume and you don't want to put in your children. So right. that, that I think if you're going to start with water, clean up your water. Absolutely. It's, it's very important. So, well, I don't know about you ladies, but I learned a lot today. And you know, my husband and I have been in the health and nutrition space for many years, and we have been intentional about eating clean and avoiding sugar not eating too many carbs and exercising, all those things for, for years now. And because I want to be able to play with my grandkids, I want to stay active as I get older. I don't want to be old. 
as I age, if you know what I mean. I don't mind getting older. I just don't want to feel old. I want to do all that I can to stay as healthy as I can so I can go on serving the Lord and doing whatever he calls me to do and go where he instructs me to go. I'm grateful to be in my 60s and healthy and strong, and I thank you, Lord. But it takes being intentional. It takes making changes and maybe getting rid of certain things in your life that are making you sick and harming your hormones. Lots of foods taste good but aren't good for us. You know, we need to use wisdom and discernment in every area of life, including everything we put in our mouths. You know, God has convicted me on certain things I've loved in the past, and he told me to lay them down. Do I love him more than my Diet Coke? You know, I had to give that up years ago. But once I learned what was really in it and the harm that it was doing to my body, it wasn't hard to give it up. We need truth. And I am so glad that we had Rebecca on today to speak truth to us. We want to be our healthiest, our strongest, our absolute best as we follow the Lord and raise our families. And I thank you so much for joining us today. Check out the links that are on this on the show notes, and we will see you next time on the Mom to Mom podcast.